Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Eagles Nation, this is your host, Kyler Neal. We're doing another episode of the Eagles Power Hour. With me, as always, is Rusty Kramer. But before we even introduce him, because, you know, I spoke with him last night with our uh, podcast with Tyler Harvey, we have another guest. And you know what? This guest, I'm pretty excited to announce. But before we announce, you know, this, this may be the tallest man that has ever been on the Eagles Power Hour. And this is our first international episode, as our guest is all the way from Australia. We have the reigning Big Sky MVP, one of Eastern Washington's best players of all time, Mason Peatling. Mason, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well, man. Um, Pleasure to be one of the first international guests, but we're also doing it internationally. I'm over in Australia, and uh, we've uh, set the times up perfectly, so uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we appreciate you jumping on. Um, before we dive into our interview, uh, I got to say hi to Rusty, unfortunately, and then we got to give our local shout out because that's what we're doing during this COVID-19. We want to make sure you guys are still supporting our local businesses as this time they really need your help. So Rusty, how you doing, buddy? And then after that, jump into your local your local shout out, man. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. We just had uh, last night, had like a little, me and my wife had like a little hot wing challenge or hot sauce challenge and we worked our way up to like, i think the one that we got was like 2.2 million on the scoville chart we survived i didn't throw up i didn't cry so that's a victory but yeah let's get right into our, our local uh shout out with this whole you know covid19 deal going on we know that it's not only affects uh people's health but also affects people's businesses uh and we want to do what we can to help those small businesses that are here locally. So this week's local shout out goes out to Up North Distillery. They're located in Pulse Falls, Idaho. They've been making tasty and smooth spirits since 2015, taking locally sourced ingredients from the farm to the flask. Their distilling is done on site, and they might be the only distillery in Idaho with a fully operational distillery that creates spirits from grain to glass, a liquor license so you can enjoy cocktails, beer, wine, and cider, and also a liquor store right there on scene so you can get a bottle to go. You can place your order online park outside and they'll deliver the goods to you at curbside. You can visit them online at www.upnorthliquorstore.com. And I actually just visited their location today to grab the goods curbside. And that was their brand new product that they released today, which is April 10th. It's our cast strength, single barrel honey spirits made from hundred percent Idaho honey, aged in American Oak barrel drinks like a whiskey barrel at cast strength. 
But for me personally, I'm a huge fan of their Big Kids Cider, especially on a nice sunny day by the barbecue. It just goes down so smoothly and has such a pure taste. My other go-to is their Honey Spirits. And let me tell you a little bit about this gem right here. They start with gallons and gallons of pure honey and create a delicate mead wine. From there, they distill the essence of the honey to create their very own Honey Spirit. Not whiskey with honey added to it. It has a delicate taste with a soft finish that will make the most discerning palates change their tune about unaged spirits. Lastly, they just opened up a second location, a whiskey bar better yet. It's called the Bee's Knees Whiskey Bar in Hayden. They pride themselves on extraordinary collection of spirits, expert staff, and original memorable cocktails using exclusively fresh ingredients. They're offering cocktails to go on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. You could give them a call to place your order. Also, they're starting a quarantine whiskey sipping club. $20 a week includes three spirit samples and a Zoom meeting every Thursday at 6 p.m. So go check out Up North Distillery and enjoy yourself a nice little adult beverage and let them know that Rusty sent you. Hey, thank you, Rusty, for that local shout out. Now it's the time you've all been waiting for our awesome interview with Mason Peatling. And, you know, Rusty sent me some notes. He, he gave me a fine agenda of, of stuff that I want to talk to you about. But before we dive into that, since you are our first international guest and I'm sure everyone in the States has some type of love for Australia. I know I do, and I've never been there. It, it could be the accents. It could be, um, you know, the late, great Steve Irwin. But I have to say, how what was it like growing up in Australia? Because now you can compare it to a small town in Cheney. And, you know, you've lived in Spokane, Cheney area the last uh, four-ish years. But, yeah, what what's it like growing up in Australia compared to, you know, the current living in the States? Uh, I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, had a great experience over here growing up. Um, you know, the sports are a little different. Had a lot of fun playing Australian football and, um, you know, I obviously played my basketball too, but, um, I don't know, man, it's pretty similar, like culture wise, you know, both, both countries, you know, go, come, come from that like British sort of background and then, but they've gone in two sort of different directions. You know, there's a lot, uh, Coming over to America, I got to experience a lot more, you know, African-American culture, a little bit of Hispanic culture. So that was really cool. Whereas over here, we've got some more, you know, Asian, Greek, um, a lot lot, uh, a lot of European culture, sort of similar how they do in America anyway. But um, I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's not like uh, comparing uh, France with South Africa or anything like yeah. that. You know, it's not a crazy difference. But uh, yeah, I, I look back on it pretty fondly. So I, I have to, because, you know, we always hear the stereotypes and rumors. Is it, like, true every single animal in Australia is trying to kill you? Like, I, you know, you guys have, like, seven <laughs> of the top nine most poisonous snakes. Your spiders are the size of my head. You know, do you ever encounter those or those, you know, way out in the yeah. outback that you don't have to worry about? I mean, they're definitely there. They're not as much in the, in the cities anymore. You know, once okay. it's built up a little bit, they're not around as much. But, you know, they're around and... But you just don't go looking for them. Just make sure you're not a statistic at the end of the day. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's all right. I mean, I mean, I've I've haven't gotten too much trouble in my life, and I don't imagine too many people have. So okay, I'm not too concerned about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I'm always wondering that. You know, we only see the pictures on you know Facebook that pop up or Twitter, and it's you know this giant yeah. bird eating spider or some some crazy crap. So, um, all right, now we'll talk about sports because that's the reason why we have you on here. You are the reigning Big Sky MVP. You're one of the great Eastern Washington basketball players that's come through our program. But you started your life in Australia. 
what was it like in a recruiting aspect? What what made you find Eastern? Were we reaching out to you? Were did you just have yeah. it on? Did you send stuff to us? What what how did know, how did that happen? It was, I was lucky that I played for, so in basketball in Australia, it's not really based on high schools, it's based on clubs. And so, you know, you go out of your way, I like out of school time to go find a club and play for them on a representative level. And I, I played for the same one that uh, Venky Joyce played with for a lot of his junior career. And so sort of, you know, played through that. I watched him for a couple of years before he went off and then I got a little bit older and we'd recruited another Australian a year older than me at, at the same club. That, so we all played for Danny Nong. And so they were recruiting uh, Michael Wern out of Danny Nong and I was just, you know, the extra kid on, on the film. But they sort of, you know, luckily sort of saw me whilst they were watching all of Michael's games. And, you know, from there I got, you know, a couple of years, a little bit better, a little bit bigger, stronger and all that. And basically what it came down to was Coach Hayford had a friend whose son played at Danny Nong and was a couple of years younger than me. And so he was, you know, sort of here and there and around about looking at, looking at all the players of all the ages, sort of keeping his eye on if he had any recruits come, that could come to uh, you know, a place like Eastern. And I was lucky that it was the right place, right time for me. And the right guy saw me and sort of passed me on. I was really lucky. So what was the experience when you first got to Cheney? I mean, I mean, that had to have been a little bit of a culture shock for you. Yeah, mate. It's it's. Uh, I, I don't think I would have been as culture shocked if a couple of the guys sort of prepared me for a little bit better. You know, I'd gone out of my way to talk to them before it came, and some of them blatantly lied. It was a little bit annoying to be <laughs> to be completely honest, but you know, we made the most of it. <laughs> yeah, it's even cheating was a culture shock for me, and, and you know, I'm from um, Washington still, but I came from Seattle and. Uh, I never really lived in a small town, but man, it's a place you grow to love. Um, what what was your time like at Eastern? Um, just just in a living aspect. No, I mean it was pretty cool, man. I you know I'm one of the only college basketballers ever that's uh, that's a married and b not a Mormon. So you know me and my wife had a good time, and we I, you know I I sort of you know focused on my school and my basketball, and then apart from that, we just hung out a lot. And, you know, we went down to the one or two coffee places in Cheney basically every day. And we lived a pretty kickback lifestyle for a couple of years, just sort of hanging out, getting coffee and just doing all the right things on and off the court. So um, I'm pretty happy with how my four years went for sure. So I, what were winners like in Australia? I mean, cause winners in Cheney, I mean, they're just, well, they're not fun at all. <laughs> mm, no, no, they're, they're way more fun in Australia. Yeah, uh, you only get snow if you want it. You just go to the mountains and go skiing. So it's not gonna it's not gonna show up on your front doorstep, which which is definitely a lot nicer. And uh, you know, it's pretty it's pretty wet and cold though. So it's still not not a hundred percent fun. But you know, if you play a sport like basketball, you don't really feel the brunt of it at all. Yeah. So so speaking of you know playing basketball. And you, you grew up playing in club basketball um, in Australia. What what's the main difference playing basketball in the United States at the D one college level compared to some of those clubs? Um, is you know can you evaluate the talent level and can, do a comparison? Because um, I know you know there are some ballers in Australia that are coming up. You guys are mm-hmm. you guys are making a name for yourselves, but you know I still want to I want to hear the comparison from a, a real Australian um, when it comes yeah. to D1 versus, you know, what you played with growing up. Yeah, I mean, I just think the, the you know, the attention to detail 
that is off the charts because you're getting guys, you know, at, at college, basically, the, the coaches can, they sort of, they, they can't own you 24-7, but you're there to play basketball for them and, you know, go to school as well. So since you're there to play basketball for them, you know, they can, you can practice, you know, God knows how long and, you know, you get all the little things right. Whereas in Australia, we didn't, you know, we did probably practice two or three times a week. And that's, so that's a huge difference between those two. And then the athleticism is just off the charts. And the States, there's, you know, the, 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 the baseline for what it takes to play at certain levels, uh, you know, would, would, would get you a long way in Australia. So it was interesting coming over being, you know, I was probably one of the most athletic guys in my age and then going to the States and probably being one of the worst athletes once I arrived and, you know, tried my best to sort of, you know, get to the sort of middle, middle level of what athletically and on the scale, but still I'm, I'm never going to be the best athlete in D1 because, there's some real, real talented guys out there. So it was a big jump for sure. Well, I mean, speaking of a, a big jump, I think like the past two seasons, you made a pretty big jump in your game. And we had Coach Booker uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he just spoke to your he, – he just called you a professional, the way that you operated on and off the court. And uh, he talked a lot about the amount of work that you put in the offseason and Getting ready to come into this season, I mean, obviously you're averaging almost a double-double. You're scoring about 17.4 points a game, and you're just under 10, almost 9.3 rebounds a game, so almost a double-double there. But can you talk your preparation in this incoming season? Was there any things that you were kind of focusing on to try to improve your game? Yeah, absolutely. I was. We were sort of, in the offseason, toying with a little bit of an offense where I was playing on the outside as because I'd, I'd scored a lot of points inside on the block, but that sort of takes space away from some of the guards to get in the paint. So we were working on some things where I could play on the outside a little more and sort of showcase my ability to pass and hit down and hit an open shot when I, when I need to. And, you know, I honestly think when, in terms of my individual basketball, I played really, really well in that offseason Sort of understanding the spot and you know how to how to play with my teammates, sharing this sharing the key rather than having it all to myself offensively. And so, you know, I just worked on every part of my game and not only playing on the outside, but you know, I give a lot of credit to our strength coach TJ Connolly. Man, he got me really, really right for this season. We put a little bit of extra weight on, and to be honest, games felt like a breeze compared to you know every other year that I've played. I think I was just more physically prepared than I have have been. Yeah, that was something I was kind of ask you about. I was kind of curious about is what did you change in the off season in regards to like strength and conditioning? Because you averaged your most minutes this season with thirty point seven minutes per game, and there was a couple of games where you were going to battle. I mean, the games against Montana, Southern Utah, uh, Sacramento State. I mean, some of those games were just absolute battles, and that's something you obviously had to prepare your body for, not just your game for to to be able to take a season of those type of you know physical games. Yeah, um, I think you know it was. It was sort of an all across the board type of thing that I got to, had to get a lot better at. You know, I've done, I've put a lot of effort into, you know, doing all the right things off the court, but we just sort of took it one one notch up with, you know, dieting and sleep. Like sleep was a real big thing for me to get my head around because I think, you know, my whole life, you know, you've sort of been told that, you know, you're somewhat a little bit lazy if you oversleep. Whereas in the basketball season with the constant, grind and practicing every day and playing two three games a week uh it can be the difference between you 
you know, getting having a bad an ankle that doesn't recover or a potentially you know like a load management type injury. So once I sort of got my head around that and realised, hey, it's not me being lazy, it's me being smart. That went a long way to helping me out this year, get through a lot of the the rigors of it. And then you know, in the in the off season too, I think we just we worked on getting my body to a, a ter- certain point that if it sort of broke down a little bit, I'd still be good to go. And so you know, a lot of that work definitely helped me in the season you know, looking back on you know it was a real tough tough off season like I didn't enjoy a lot of it which is which was definitely not a fun thing to do but um it definitely allowed me you know if I had one or two injuries um in the season it didn't show so it was good yeah so I'm kind of curious we've been asking every single basketball guest we've had on here from you know coach coach Booker to um Tyler Harvey what's been your toughest matchup or best player you've played against in college because you know there's been some studs you've played against. So do you have one on mind or are you not even sure? I know we didn't give you any questions to think about prior. So well, this is on, yeah, this well, on the, the top of the head. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good because some games, you, you know, you come against really good players, but you don't. Like like even this year the, with the, when we played UW and they had, I think, was it Isaiah Stewart, their big guy, their 6'9", supposed to be a one-and-done type player. And he's an amazing athlete, but to be honest, man, if I had if I had the refs on my side, I could have done a lot of stuff too. So I was a little yeah. bit annoyed at that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't come out. I didn't come out of the game feeling like he was that that good. But uh, okay. you know who really is really impressive was um, the big fella from Gonzaga. You know the player of the year in his conference, Petrusev. I think. Yeah. He was. Um, he's a built like I was playing on the outside, and I, you know I thought I, you know he's overclosed me on the so I was going to be able to drive right by him and. You know his ability to move at at six eleven seven foot as well to keep keep guys in front of him. Uh, he's an after that game, I'm like, yeah, he's an NBA player for sure. There was yeah. like there was a huge <laughs> gap between him and uh, anyone I've ever played. So, uh, you know, I was really really glad we got to have that experience at Gonzaga this year because he's an absolute stud. Man, I, I love those honest answers. Um, yeah, I, I mean Gonzaga, it is what it is. I mean, did you hear about Gonzaga when you were growing up in Australia? Um, you know, did they? Did you ever know anything about them? Mm, not particularly, because okay. to be honest, I was more over St Mary's because we had Australians playing at St Mary's. So Patrick oh, yeah. Nails okay. and Della Vadova were Della the guys. Vadova, that, yeah. You know, the big shot that Della Vadova hit that one year to win the the uh, the conference title. That was the big. Yeah. Um, so. In terms of college basketball, it wasn't something, you know, as an Australian, it's not really something I grow up, you know, dreaming about because it's not really in the forefront of my mind. I'm more concerned with the Australian sports. But, um, but you know, guys like Mills and Della Vadova made it really, really relevant, uh, you know, for me, especially kids my generation. For sure. Yeah, and I'll just be upfront and honest. I'm not a Matthew Deladova fan. <laughs> but uh, with that being said, do you have any, I mean, looking at your, your career at Eastern, is there any like memorable moments that kind of stick out in your head or, or, or careers that you look back at that when you think about it, that they might automatically pop in your head? You mean like moments in games and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, You know what? There's so many. It's really... It's, it's really hard to just sort of put one on the table because, you know, each year is so different for me as a player. My first year, I sort of watched Jacob Wiley tear teams apart, which is a lot of fun to watch. And then the next year, Bogdan did the same thing, but in a completely different style. And so my first two years, I sort of got to see the other guys sort of 
to it. And then my, you know, upperclassmen years, I got to sort of have my have my turn and see what I could do about it. I had a lot of there was a there was a weekend this year where we played Southern Utah and Northern Colorado at home, and I had my family for that weekend. Uh, they were the only two games they'd seen me play this year, but. You know, I think I had 30 against Southern Utah and then had a 20 and 20 game against Northern Colorado. We won both games and I think both games were in overtime. Like those games were a lot of fun. I think I hit a three in the Southern Utah game with 30 seconds left to tie it up. Uh, When I think back to like, you know, the the sort of the moment games, they were probably it. And then also the win at Northern Colorado this year because once we'd sort of done that, we knew – we almost had the regular season title locked up. That was our that was our conference championship game, and we we knew going into that game that that was going to be it. So that was a lot of fun for us. Well, le- I was at the Southern Utah and the Northern Colorado game, and I think you're downplaying it a little bit because the Southern Utah game was an absolute battle that went to overtime. You had a double double, thirty points, eleven rebounds, and another tough game uh, against Northern Colorado, who's another solid team. You had 21 points, 22 rebounds. That's just that's just bonkers. I mean, just especially do the, that and the, those two games so close together. I mean, both games were. I mean, th- that would give you chest pain watching those games. Right. I. I mean, I, I I take a lot of pride in doing all the little things right, and you know, the 20 rebounds and stuff like that. You wouldn't. It's funny because I I've sort of compared it with a couple of big guys that we've had in the past and people said I'd probably be the last guy anyone would have expected to have 20 rebounds in the game because my inability to jump is pretty funny. So, uh, you know, I, I took that and, you know, those weekend, that weekend was a lot of fun. There were two big games for our season uh, to put us, you know, up, you know, higher in the standings because I think at that point it was pretty close with all the teams because it was super early. Um, but we knew that those two teams were going to be around about there and it was huge for our year. And to win both games in overtime too, you know, potentially we're a little lucky there, but, you know, it was it went a long way to, to achieving our goal. So it was super exciting. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, um, there was a lot of exciting moments. So we have a question that just appeared from one of Eastern Washington, you know, biggest athletic fans, and I'm sure you have met her. I'm sure she's the one screaming at every home game, but Kelsey Hatch, Braycheck. Okay. Um, so she she wants to first say thank you Mason for all the memories you gave Eagles Nation so much to be proud of best wishes on your next adventure but she has a question since she knew you were joining this podcast she says what were your top three memories from your whole career at Eastern Washington top three all right it's gonna just it's not gonna be the top three it's gonna be the first three because it's too hard to rank them <laughs> right here and there. but um. We're going to say there was a good one in a, we were playing at Texas in my freshman year and it was probably one of our worst games, you know, as a, I think we lost by about 30 points. Like it, we, we, we played a really bad game. It was probably my second or third game, but you know, we were there about to in the beginning and in the beginning of the game. And there was a play where I sort of caught the ball at the elbow, took a dribble and then jumped and did like, you know, an up and under finish and threw it up on the rim and it, and it sort of just dropped in. It was a total lucky shot. Like, I, you know, I was jumping around three guys, just totally threw it up there. And, <laughs> lucky. and at halftime, you know, Coach Hayford was so mad that the guys were like, guys, just be yourself. Just do what Mason's doing out there. He's just doing exactly what he does. Just do what he does. And I'm, the, and I'm looking at the guys and they know like that I that was just total crap, that shot. I just lost it right there. 
And I was just, I just was like, oh, okay, this is, I, I guess that's normal. Like I'm still sort of sorting out, you know, Division One hoops and, you know, what the standard is. And now I'm thinking that the lucky shot is the shot that, you know, that, that's normal. But he's just doing what he's doing. So everyone funny. has lucky shots. Shaq, you know, he hit his one three, and that was a lucky shot. And he's like, I'm never going to shoot this ball again. <laughs> yeah, man. It was that I, I was sitting there thinking, oh, wait, what? Are we watching the same game here? You know. <laughs> Anyway, that was a bit of fun. Um, I think, I honestly, I remember a lot of my moments off the off the court. We had a, uh, I had a lot of fun this year with um, Jake Groves, one of our freshmen. We, when we were in Boston uh, on the road, we were sort of just. I think there was a day we had a, a bit of time, so we went out and just sort of checked out some of the touristy spots and had clam chowder for the first time, which. Oh mate, it's like warm mashed potato soup. I, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really rate it, but, but that was a bit, that was a lot of fun. Um, what else? Another one. I mean, you put me on the spot here. I would have loved to. I know we, had material we do that <laughs> because I would have, I would have given you some better answers, but um, I'm gonna leave it at two because I don't want to sit here all day. But if anything pops into hey. mind, I'll, I'll definitely bring it up. Hey, no problem. I think two is good enough. But all right, so let's let's dive more into the season because on paper and looking at our schedule, in my opinion, this is one of the toughest out of conference schedules Eastern's had in a while. And at the end of the day, this was one of Eastern Washington's best years they've ever had. Um, you know, not just in conference, but an out of conference record as well. You guys absolutely killed it. Um, but I mean, even some of the losses, we had chances to win, you know, versus Boston College. That was an insane game. We had a shot to win against UW, who was ranked top 25 at the time. We had shots to win that game. Um, mm-hmm. What was what was your thoughts on this season? And, you know, we'll, we'll dive into the, the postseason and stuff like that in, in a couple minutes. But how what was your overall thoughts on how this season went? Because, like I said, on paper, to me, this is one of the, the toughest schedules we've had. And we prevailed. We, we did really well. Yeah, I think honestly, I sort of went into the season with a little, you know, a, a good. I had pretty good expectations with how our team was going to go because we returned the bulk of our scoring. We'd had, you know, the two years prior, we'd lost MVP type players, and when you lose an MVP MVP type player, you, it takes a little while to rejig the team and everyone to redefine roles because now the ball, you know, basically has twenty five minutes that needs to be handled because you lost those guys. But given that we had so many guys returning and, you know, key key players, are, you know, I was scoring and Jacob was scoring the year before, I knew that what, too much wasn't going to change. And so that was really going to help our non-conference season. And it, and it definitely showed, um, you know, we, we basically won every game that we were supposed to. We didn't we didn't drop one. You know, that's, that's the key. If you win the games you're yeah. supposed to and then you pinch one or two, then, you know, that goes a long way to having a great non-conference and getting you ready for the your conference here and... So as much as I, I totally agree that the, the schedule was hard, but our guys were more than up for it than most years that I've been at Eastern just because, you know, we'd, we'd had a returning team for once. Usually we have three or four seniors leaving and you got to sort of pick up the pieces and use those 10 games as learning experiences, whereas our guys are ready for it. So um, that went a long way to having a good uh, non-conference year. For sure. So so one of those games that we were supposed to lose, I mean, at least if I remember correctly, I mean, this this is a big team for a mid-major, but Belmont, you know, they came to Eastern Washington. 
most people, I would say experts, even myself, um, we kind of thought this was going to be a really tough game to, you know, get a, get a W from. But I mean, as a team, the team performance of this game is what really impressed me. You know, we had about six people that scored double digits. That's that's awesome. There wasn't, you know, a, a player who, you know, stood out and, and it was like the star of the game. But instead, you guys focused on a team. It was a team effort. And you guys were able to pull away with the win. And like I said, I think on a home court, this has to be one of the biggest wins in Eastern Washington history for, you know, at Reese Court. Um, you know, we beat a couple teams away. But, but for a home game, this has to be one of the biggest wins of all time. Um, can yeah. you walk us through that game? Like, what was the feeling like before the game started? Because I'm sure you guys had a lot of anticipation for this one, seeing them on the schedule. They've been a predominant um, tournament team. Everyone knows who Belmont is. So what was the anticipation for this game? And then after you guys won with the team effort, what was the locker room like? Yeah, no, they're, they're a, great, a great squad. And, you know, leading up to the game, you knew they were going to be good because bunch of their players who were high productive guys and you know I think their big guy had 30 on us and had a river of a game but they're you know they were both sophomores both of their two leading scorers and so not only are they going to be good were they good this year but they're going to be good for the years to come and so you know that says a lot about their program and their ability to recruit but just the players that they got they've they're clearly they're clearly under something down there so you know we had a lot of respect for them going in but at the same time you know any mid-major team that thinks they're pretty good, we we're all more than ready for the challenge. You know, you know, we, yeah. we we thought that this year was our year to really step it up and show that we could be about just as good as Belmont, if not better. And um, having that game at home was an awesome opportunity to sort of prove that on a bit of a bigger scale, where people could start talking about Eastern basketball as you know not just a middle of the pack Big Sky team, but you know these guys are these guys are here to do something and. Uh, you know, sooner or later, you'll be talking about Eastern like a like a Belmont type program, and so you know that was the game that you know it went somewhat you know in the way of where we could sort of start putting ourselves in that sort of category. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I th- I think I mean Belmont was no slouch this past season either. I mean, they went twenty six and seven overall throughout the season. I mean, they're a solid team, and I think what you're meant you're alluding to, Mason. I mean. You just, I mean, that's what competitors do, man. You, you rise to the occasion. You want to be challenged. I mean, nobody just wants to face a team that you're just going to get, you know, rolled up on. You're just going to be okay with that. I mean, everybody, competitors want to rise to the occasion. I mean, just looking at Eastern squad in general, you got, you know, Jacob Davison, yourself, Mason Peatling, Kim Macon Jr., Mike, three studs that could all, you know, score from anywhere on the court. And you got uh, Ellis Magnuson and Kassan Rouse switching in there. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty deadly squad. I mean, any of you guys could be hot any any time. If you guys were all clicking, Eastern wasn't gonna get beat that night. It, it, it's impossible, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think you know we with that non-conference schedule, we play ten or eleven games, and we play a, like a huge range of opponents and on in different gyms too. So we play, you know, we play two exhibition games at home, and then we play you know three tough, you know, high major games on the road where. You know, you've got, you know, they're probably a bit better athletically, but they've got the home court advantage. And sometimes, you know, the referees blow the whistle a certain way. And so given all those factors, when you when you come against a, a really good competitive mid-major team, it's like a one and a half win or, you know, the win's worth a little bit more because, you know, it's, it's a lot more on the line uh, in those types of games. And, 
you know, they, they sort of picked to win that one, but I think our pride sort of came out and shown. And I remember Tanner Gross, he hit a bunch of threes that game too. So um, we had a lot of guys step up that one. That was a real big win for us. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It showed what this team's all about. Um, and I love, you know, the mantra that you just said or, you know, the feelings that, you know, if you're a mid-major, we're going to be at that top tier level um, for Eastern Washington. That's the goal. That's what you you just said. Um, and, and you're not afraid for any team coming to play you guys. And I, I just love that aspect. Um, but, but let's dive in because, again, this was one of the best seasons, in my opinion, that Eastern Washington had in out-of-conference and conference. So in conference, we won the big sky outright. We did not have to share it. And that's like, that's music to my ears when you don't have to share it. But we, let's talk about, you know, the elephant in the room, um, the cancellation of the big sky tournament, the cancellation of March Madness. How does that impact you as a player when you heard the news? You know, we were getting ready to play. Um, I think you guys were warming up when you guys got the news that, hey, we're going to cancel this. What was your reaction to all this? Ah, oh, to be to be completely honest, it's sort of been sort of spoken about for a couple of days leading up to it, and you know when Rudy Gobert came out with the coronavirus, he definitely ruined it for everybody. So uh, he didn't just ruin it for the NBA. So it was yeah. a bit of a it was a real bummer. And one you know once the Big Sky tournament was cancelled, I thought you know, I I had a little bit of awareness on the situation where I'd been reading up on it in China and all that for probably a week or two. So my head was sort of around it before the announcement i sort of knew that every everyone was going to sort of be leading in that direction it was pretty scary stuff so you know when when they cancelled the big sky tournament figured the same thing would happen for the national tournament and that'd be the end of it so you know um you can't be too bitter about it because you know it's it's a it's a pretty big thing that's affecting a lot of people you know people losing their jobs and people are dying all the time so you know, in the in the in the scheme of things, basketball is not really that big, so all that important. So you just got to move on and you know look forward to the next thing if there is a next thing. For sure, yeah. I, I just kind of wanted to get your opinion because we asked you know Coach Booker about that, and he kind of gave that that same type of answer. Of course, he's bummed, but you know we got to all look at the bigger picture in this, and that's that's keeping people healthy. Um, so I know we have a couple more questions to dive into. You know about your post-career post Eastern, but I think I'm going to start this trend. We asked Tyler Harvey this yesterday. What's, what's your shoe of choice? Are you a Jordans guy? Are you a Nike guy? Or do you do you not care? Uh, I don't care, mate. I just wear the free stuff. And so the last four years, I've been in the Adidas. <laughs> Adidas uh, I've, been, I've been walking endorsement for them. Uh, there you go. The Adidas gear, but, you know, where the, where the next opportunity comes, I'll be, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be uh, – peak or, or an off-brand or you know puma or reebok or something i don't know whatever's free i love it that that's my type of motto too i will i will wear anything i even and i hate to admit this but i even wore an idaho vandal shirt the other day because it was free and you know oh i'll draw the line on montana gear no i'm not okay. wearing montana gear but you know idaho they're like eh, they're at the bottom of the barrel for the big skies so i'm like yeah i don't feel too bad all right. The thing is, the thing is, though, is Kyler had a rash for a week after wearing the Idaho Vandal shirt. So I'm yeah, pretty sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain. I mean, you were talking a little bit uh, to it earlier about the basketball scene in Australia. I mean, it's obviously it's been there. It's not. It's not like it's just come out of the blue. That's just something new. It's, but it, it's continually getting better. This the basketball scene in Australia because you got players like Andrew Bogut, uh, Patty Mills, Matthew Deladova, and 
even Ben Simmons uh, from Australia. Can you talk a little to like the growth of the basketball in Australia? Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely been it's starting to get on the on the world scale, and people are sort of understanding that you know we're, we're not chumps anymore. So that's that's a good thing. We got a no, there was I think Ben Simmons and Dante Exum. They're it's probably our two leading players coming out of high school that are, were drafted really highly over the last couple of years. But you're starting to see more and more Australians come play college basketball if the uh, opportunity arises. So um, it's definitely a good thing for us, and hopefully it elevates the standard of college basketball and even the NBA. So hopefully everyone's winners. Yeah, for sure. Um, like like I said in the beginning, you know, you're getting some real ballers out of out of Australia, and I hope that trend continues. But I got a question for you. What what's your future goals now? You know, you graduated from Eastern Washington. Uh, what's the outlook for you moving forward? Uh, you know, immediately I'm trying to see if the uh, Australian Professional League over here, the the NBL, is is an op- is an opportunity that I'll be able to follow. Um, it looks like it will be, but you never really know with all this COVID COVID stuff. So that might be on the back burner for a while. I think the season isn't due to start up till October anyway. So there's a long there's a long while till that, but. More immediately, I'll just sort of keep it keep it on the DL and you know lift weights in the garage and shoot down the street in the park and sort of leave it at that for a couple of months until everything sort of gets back to normal. And assuming that it does, I'd love to play some professional basketball in Australia if the opportunity's there. And I think it will be. I've been able to you know, put together a pretty good senior year and um, enough teams have sort of reached out to me over the last you know couple of months that I've got a bit of confidence that we'll be able to figure something out so fingers crossed this COVID-19 stuff just sort of you right. know, goes away right yeah for sure so um kind can you explain a little bit to maybe some of the listeners what, what's Australian basketball like how many teams do you guys have how many um games in a season um do you guys have and then you know what are some of the the big names that are playing Australian basketball right now mm-hmm. um so there's, I think there's nine or ten teams in the league. It's you know sort of one or two, one or two teams in every major city. So it's there's a team pretty much all across Australia. So and there's even a team in New Zealand as well that joins the league. So getting good representation and the league has really stepped it up the last four or five years in in both talent level and ability to just market itself. It started to you know it's been on TV a little bit better and getting a lot of better social media eyes on it and. Is doing a lot better professionally more than anything. Um, you know, some of the top players that have been over here, obviously Lamelo Ball was here playing this yeah. season as a young guy, and RJ Hampton, and so they're both going to be first round picks. But then you have like uh, really good ex NBA or G League players. Uh, Bryce Cotton has been over here, and Casper Ware have been probably the two top, you know, American players in our league and really carrying the league in a lot of ways. Um, as the two top scorers and dynamic guards in the league and whatever team they've been on has generally been one of the teams, you know, vying for the championship. So they've been really good. And now, and now we're starting to see uh, really talented Australian players either come back from the NBA and play for a little bit. Like Andrew Bogut is winding down his career over here. Or you're using interesting Australians use the league to, you know, springboard themselves onto something better. So it's sort of, interesting league because you get guys using it as a step up and guys using it as a step down so um and it's really competitive and physical and all the you know some of the things i didn't like about college basketball with nitpicky fouls and 
hand, like just little things here and there that you could tell the refs, referees were sometimes almost filling up a quota and, you know, trying to be really, really um, harsh about certain calls where there might not even be that much contact. Well, I won't have to worry about that anymore because now I'm back in Australia. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I know, I know you just talked about ball and everyone knows the ball family, you know, they're, they were a global sensation the last couple of years. So now since high schoolers, they can opt out of going to college, you know, before they go to the NBA draft and we're seeing them go overseas. We're seeing them go to Europe, China, Australia. Um, do you think that hurts, you know, maybe those leagues in Australia or Europe or, um, does it actually improve it? Because it gets more eyes on them, but then they're leaving within a year or two. So what, what's kind of the thought process on those high schoolers who are, you know, leaving to go play, which I, I, I like them getting the opportunity to go earn some money right out of high school if, you know, you're good enough to do that. But, mm-hmm. but what, what's the impact on the league if they're there for a year, they're a stud, and then they leave? Yeah, I don't know. It's because it's all sort of – all these – it's very opinion-based at the moment because we haven't really seen it for long enough, but – you know, in my opinion, it's not a long-term answer for anything because you're getting young players like Lamella or RJ that are going to come and they're going to use the league to boost their profile and, and earning power so that they don't have to you know, worry about going to college and not earning money. And then they're just you know, going to go piss off to the NBA and good, good for them. But there was an Australian player that potentially could have used that spot to make a you know five ten year career in that in the local league, right. so um, there's there's good and bad because at, at the same like I understand why a player like that might want to do that and and they probably get like Lamelo and RJ probably got a lot more out of coming over here than they would have college wise and, and hopefully you'd think that that will prepare them really well for the next the next step but we don't really know we'll have to wait and wait and see in time. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's just the right individual, you know, at the right time with the right scenario, just getting presented the opportunity just works out for them. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mason. It's just, it's just a little too early. And it's really opinionated kind of at this time, but I kind of want to get your, your, your take on Eastern's basketball 2020 squad. I mean, can you give us kind of a sneak peek or, you know, players to look out for, for all our listeners out there? I mean, obviously, you won't be with the squad next season, so they'll obviously have a big hole to fill. I mean, they're losing uh, the MVP of the Big Sky. So, ah, uh, man, I'm not, I'm not really too worried about them losing me. I think I'm really looking forward to getting the hell out of their way. They're all really hungry and ready to take the next step in their in their sort of um, the, you know their playing careers. That you know you've got young guys like Kasson Rouse. That is just, I, I respect him a lot. He does a lot of the right things off the floor in terms of preparation and, and getting getting his game up and going. And I think he's going to do a lot for the team over the next couple of years. So I've, I've got a lot of load chips on him. And then Ellis Magnuson, you know, he had an up and down year this year. But I think in, in another, maybe not next year, but the year after, he's going to be a stud as well. And I think you might be looking at a team that, you know, we, no, I, I, unfortunately, we were the. We wore the brunt the last two years playing Montana in the championship game, and they had a really good backcourt in O'Quinn and Rory. Um, and there wasn't much you could do about it unless you had the backcourt to match it, and we really didn't. Um, but I think that Eastern potentially, in uh, with Kasson Rouse and, and Ellis Magnuson, you could have a could have a really really good backcourt for the next you know three years um, that leads you to a couple of championships. So. I think they're going to be huge. I think Tanner Groves will take the next step in his playing ability. 
Um, and then Kim Aiken so dy- dynamic defensively and offensively that basically he can play the one through five. And so if, you know, Coach Legs wants to go super small, he could potentially play that five spot for a little bit and, and then play another wing player. I think Jacob Gross, Tyler Robertson are going to be huge contributors next year. And I haven't even seen the recruits coming in. So uh, I think, you know, you, you really got a lot of good things to be excited about. Yeah, one of the things that you hit on, and uh, you saw it definitely later in the season with Kassan Rouse and Ellis Magnuson kind of both firing there, and that would be a pretty deadly kind of change of pace and kind of switching it up on teams that teams are just going to have to deal with for the next couple of years. And then obviously you got Kim Aiken Jr. You could put him literally anywhere on the court from running, you know, running the point or throwing down low and causing you problems down low. And then Jacob Davison, that was something I always enjoyed watching you guys warm up. It's just, it was more of uh, you guys were just out there having fun. Um, what is kind of like the practices? I mean, do you guys get pretty crazy with the dunk attempts? I mean, I saw uh, Jacob, I saw Jacob Davison post uh, <laughs> uh, on Jacob Groves. There it was more of a failed dunk attempt, but <laughs> right, right, right. No, I think, um, I think with the dunk attempts and stuff in practice, it depends on the type of time of year it is. If it's early in the year, uh, definitely guys are super excited about it. But <laughs> when it comes to February or January, there's no chance Jacob's doing any of that. He's just trying to make sure he can play on Thursday and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it definitely it does depend on the time of year, just getting the body right and all that. But one person I want to make sure I do mention them is uh, is uh, Jack Perry. Is, as much as he isn't a dunker, I mean, a lot of stuff he does for our, our team on the ground and, you know, making sure everybody's right. Because we have some really some crazy personalities, man. So he's an awesome guy to just sort of, you know, level out the team and, you know, make sure. And he's always hitting, hitting big shots for us and Absolutely. he's doing all the right stuff defensively too. So I think he'll go a long way to helping our team next year as well. Yeah, I mean, Mason, we're we're – we're definitely going to miss you. Um, I, I think I can say this confidently on behalf of Eastern Washington. We, we're sad to see you go. We're excited for what's in the future um, for you because, you know, we do think you are the type of person that can make it at the next level. Um, if it's Australia, if it's, you know, wherever you want to, wherever you want to be, your work ethic is there. You, you got talent. You got heart. Um, we're going to miss the memories you gave us. But, but again, thank you for everything that you have gave to Eastern Washington. And we appreciate you jumping on this podcast. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you having me. And, uh, you know, all the best for the future. And hope, hopefully this, this goes well. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we sign off, we want to let you know or, you know, let, let the listeners know where they can find you on social media or any of that jazz. Unless you don't want them harassing you, then you can say, hey, you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> I mean, you can't really find me anywhere because I don't have much of a, a media profile to begin with. But, I, you know, my Instagram's out there, mason.peatling. If you want to look at photos of me and my dog and my wife, then you can go for it. I, I got nothing to hide. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, Rusty, do you want to close us out? Um, tell them where they can find us and all that jazz, and then we'll we'll stop recording the episode today. Yeah, uh, you could find us uh, on Twitter at Eagles Power Hour. You can find me on Twitter at Mid Fourth Rounder, and uh, also on Facebook at Eagles Power Hour. Make sure to rate and subscribe us. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, basically all your podcast platforms out there. Uh, you know, thanks for listening, Mason. Thanks for coming on. Hey guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right.
right. Thank you and good luck for everything you got in the future, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right.